Hello everybody and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional look into the art of horror and everything spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Stormy. And I'm Adrian. And this week we are continuing <laughs> our Love Can Be Murder. Yes, Love Can Be Murder, week three. Three. And this week we're going to be doing Crimes of Passion, right? Yeah. At least that was the prompt. That was what we were assigned to do <laughs> by the podcasting gods above. I don't know if mine are very passionate, but you know. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, uh, what's the word when you're not like, when it's not super like direct? Broad. It's a very broad topic. Crimes of right. passion. So I'm going to be very interested in seeing what you brought. You brought two, and I only brought one. But mine, I feel like it's pretty lengthy, and I feel like, you know, I, I gave my all. So I'm interested to see what you think about the story that I picked up, so. I'm here. We're here. We're queer. Right. Well, how was your week, Storm? Um, <laughs> my week was good. I, uh, I really haven't done much. My kid turned five, and been doing mom shit. Right. And I've been... You know, a quarantine queen. Literally at the same same thing since last March, so you know, getting by. But you know, we're recording today, so that's a fun a fun day for me. Recording days. Well, and I mean, we did get to have a little uh, slash her reacts action. We returned to Instagram. If anybody's interested. Yeah, and we're gonna try to do those more often again. So, be on the lookout. Uh, I guess before we get into, like, the show flow of things, uh, really quickly, and this is me just inserting myself into things as I do. Uh, so, obviously, today, or not today, I think it was yes as of recording, like, yesterday or the day before, there were just all kinds of nonsense happening on Twitter involving, like, gatekeeping and gatekeeping in fandoms and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, of course, it started to pop up on horror Twitter a bit, and people were just kind of voicing their opinions and i just of course wanted to jump into the conversation because you know first that's just who i am but also i mean the whole aspect of uh like gatekeeping especially in horror it was something especially at the beginning with our podcast that you know we were kind of worried about which is why like our tagline is you know a delusional look because a lot of horror podcasts are people taking like deep dives and like heavily researching a movie and just like deep topics and that's not like what we do like we're a lot more like loose we're kind of we like to chill out we like to have a good time we like to talk shit we like to you know drink a little bit well i don't drink anymore but we you know like to drink a little bit or you know partake in an edible before recording at times uh we just like to have a good time so obviously just don't gatekeep horror anybody like it just isn't there's no point in it like let people discuss movies how they want to discuss movies nobody has to be educated in like an extreme way with a lot of these movies so just like chill out i mean obviously people have been nice to us and everybody that has listened to our show has been very uh, receptive of what we do we're not we're delusional so just be nice and let people enjoy movies the way they enjoy movies pretty much it's really disappointing for me personally to see horror twitter kind of take that turn and I've noticed it has its up and downs with uh, with gatekeeping for sure. Like when we first joined Horror Twitter, I feel like everybody was very welcoming and we built a lot, a pretty good circle of friends very quickly. But it's sad to see that not everybody has met with that. And we just want it to be a fun place where we can all just talk about something that we all love. So mm -hmm. 
it's pretty crazy. And like the um, the more follower, uh, I don't want to say followers, but like the more listeners that we get and the more interaction that we have on Twitter, even like on my personal account, like the bigger that things get, the more it becomes obvious that people are just, you know, when we started, like you said, it was like a small circle and like everybody was super nice. And as we continue to grow, you know, people come into the fold and you kind of start to see things happening within like the community. Uh, so I don't know, just be nice. Just continue to be nice. I'm at the point now, even with like my personal Twitter where like, I just don't even know what to say anymore. Cause I'm just like, well, I just, I don't know sometimes. So just be nice is pretty much what we're saying and continue to support all horror content creators and just be nice. I mean, I, we personally had that run in a couple of weeks ago with the quote unquote scream heads where I was told that I wasn't a true fan of the Scream franchise because I didn't refer to myself as a Scream head and I knew nothing about what I was talking about because I wasn't I didn't go see it in theaters. Like we don't we don't need that. Just let us all fucking enjoy Ghostface. I don't I don't fucking understand why we can't just get along. But I mean keep that fucking energy away from us. Right. That's a very kindergarten way of looking at things. Like, I just want us all to be friends, but it's true. That's really all I want. Exactly. I mean, and from like a personal standpoint, my memory is shit. Like, it is shit. Like, the older I get, like, the more foggy things become. Uh, like, childhood memories become foggy. And it's like one of those things where, like, randomly, like, I'll remember something and, like, I'll be able to remember it very vividly and very clearly. But there's also times where just a lot of my memories are just rounded in a, a very deep fog. And that even, like, accounts for, like, my movies or my movie, like, my movie viewing. Like, I don't remember sometimes, like, what I've seen. And I know that I've seen it, but I don't remember things clearly. So it kind of makes it tough that, you know, I could have the, this big list of suggestions of movies that I've watched, but I can't, like, talk about them like that anymore. Which is the point of the podcast is to reintroduce ourselves and, like, get back into the thick of things and, you know, have, at least for me, conceited as always, having, like, a fucking diary of, like, what we've watched, what we discussed. And that way it helps, even me personally, it helps me keep track of what I've seen. So just let us vibe, man. We're all chilling, killing, man. Right. Well, anyways, moving on to the, let's just keep things moving. So, Stormy, what has been spooking you this week? Um, like I said, I've been in mom mode super hard, so I have been a bad horror fan this week. No, we watched the movie together. Well, I mean, aside from that. <laughs> but yeah, we watched Saw 2. We did. It was your first viewing. It was! And I... I rated it like the exact same rating as Saw 1, but I do think I enjoy it way more than the first Saw movie, personally. So then why rate it the same? <laughs> um, I think because me, uh, I don't know. I don't take myself super serious with like my letterbox ratings. Uh, but typically, like if most movies just fall under like three stars or three and a half stars, like that's just how it is. If I really like a movie, but I can kind of see some flaws, like it'll get four. Or if it's just like a personal fave, I'll just give it five. Like, but most things are just going to average out at three stars. That's just how I am. I'm crazy. But I also don't try to get like super like detailed with my ratings and like, because right. people will on Letterboxd legitimately have like fucking scorecards in their bio of like, this is what this means. And um, I'm not like that. Most things are three stars and that's just, that's what it is. If it's below three stars, it's probably just really bad from my own like personal standpoint. But I really liked it a lot. I gave it three and a half stars. It is rated the same as the first saw, but it's because they're both pretty good. They're both very solid movies and I don't, 
I mean, there's some issues that may arise, but both are pretty solid. So I think, just like generally speaking, looking at both of them as two movies, I think they're pretty same like playing field. Like I think they're both a little bit different. The second one obviously gives us more traps, more death, and it's just more interesting i think and the twist at the end of that movie really like Ooh. took me away and the twist at the first of the or uh, at the end of the first movie is also really good obviously but i don't know the one the second one it just kind of hit me different so i really enjoyed it yeah that's my favorite saw movie out of all of them um what was your favorite trap oh goodness i really think my favorite trap um my favorite trap to look at was the first one because he was very cute mike he was very adorable mm-hmm. Uh, but I think overall, not accounting for thirst, my favorite trap is probably the box where she puts her hands into the box and like if they start cutting at her wrists. That's yeah. probably my absolute favorite. Was that yours? Or what was yours? Uh, my favorite, the one that I think about the most is the pit. Um, mm. But I, I think my favorite is the glasses box too. It's just so good. And it's like, I think out of all of them, that might be the one I would want to be involved in the least. Like, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. Right. I guess burning alive in an oven is also shitty, but... I don't know which one I would want to be involved in the least. I think that one. Yeah, the box one. I feel like I wouldn't have stuck... Yeah, for sure, like, because I don't want to slit my wrists. Right. Um, But I also wouldn't have stuck my second hand in, because I already fucked up the vial. What's the point of putting my second hand in? She was so dumb. And I know, like, they were drugged. Or whatever, whatever gasp, you know, uh, Jigsaw had slipped them, whatever Mr. Kramer gave them. So I knew she was already kind of like tipsy and all over the place. So, I mean, I guess. But like you said, she reached in and she knocked it over and she immediately sticks her other one into like the only two hole. You're in this fucking fun house of a fucking like it's like it's the deadliest meth house I've ever seen in my life. And you're going to sit there in the two holes that you have. You're going to stick both hands into those two little bitty holes. I would have just, like, taken something and smashed the box. Knowing him, it's probably, like, bulletproof grass or something like that. <laughs> I guess you're right. But, <laughs> like, you can't tell me that you don't feel your first wrist, like, already being slit. So, I don't know. I mean, logic is out of the question in Daddy Kramer's world, so. Yeah, these people just kind of, I mean, and I guess, like, the pressure of the situation leads them to do some of the stupid stuff that they do, but... I thought it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, were the characters, like, super, like, interesting? No, not at all. They were not interesting in the slightest. Even the main detective guy, Donnie Wahlberg, was... I was snoozing anytime he was on screen. But everything just worked. And obviously, I mean, the selling point is gonna be John Kramer. And Amanda, even, was a big part of these. Like, this movie is just, like, kind of setting up their dynamic, I think, to further progress it into the third movie. I'm assuming she's in the third movie. Because um, I've seen screenshots of her in other some movies that haven't been part of any of the fucking movies that we've seen so far. Uh, so I'm assuming it's just going to build on their relationship. So I really like this movie because, especially with the twist ending, like it really, it's just about furthering their relationship. So I'm excited to see where like the movies go from here. So I'm very excited. I think our next Instagram live is between Hills Have Eyes remake and Saw 3. So... If we haven't already done it by the time this airs, let us know what you want to see. Right. Speaking of Hills Have Eyes, uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake, I started it because it is on HBO Max now. So it's been forever since I've seen that movie because I've always been terrified of it ever since I watched it as a kid because that one takes place in New Mexico. The original is in Nevada, 
but the remake is in New Mexico. So when I first watched it in New Mexico, living in a mobile home in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> after I watched it, You're like I this never... is too real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never went back to it. I was like, I'm just not gonna watch this shit ever again. But I started it the other day, and quite honestly, it's pretty good. I only made it halfway, but I did stop and I did message Stormy, and I was like, listen, I just I'd rather finish it with you at some point because I just like it needs to be that way. Because it was really good. And it's like, I'm actually kind of enjoying this movie. I'm enjoying where it's going. Uh, the characters are pretty fun. I was like, so let me just stop. I stopped before, like, the big scene happened inside the, the main. The RV scene? Yeah. Before, like, everything. Yeah. Before shit hits the fan and people start getting fucking their brains blown out. So I stopped there. But I love that you saved that part for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that makes people think about me. <laughs> Everybody's about to get slaughtered. And I'm like, let me just wait for Stormy. <laughs> My legacy. Uh huh. I was like, yeah, yeah. it'll it will feel better. It'll feel better watching it with you, and it makes the situation more fun. Like sitting by myself in my room watching that. <laughs> I was I was like I was like this is like, but I want to react with somebody because it's so crazy. Right. And like I know what's gonna happen. It's not like I'm watching it for the first time. That's different. Like if I'm watching a movie for the first time, I like to like. Saw's different though because I have to watch that with Stormy for the first time. But like most movies, I watch by myself. Uh, but that one, I already know what's going to happen. So I need to react with you because that shit's crazy. Uh, have you watched anything else this week? Uh, the only other thing that I did start watching was I signed up for uh, CBS All Access. I have a free week trial. So I'm trying to get The Stand knocked out within that week's time frame. So I've watched the first two episodes so far. Um, and I think it's great so far. I think it's a really, really good iteration of the book because I obviously I've read that book before. It's the only Stephen King book that I've read like cover to cover. Um, and it's fantastic. So it's been great so far. Like it really feels like it's being very truthful to the book. Like every time anything happens, I'm like, oh yeah, this was in the book or this was in the book. And they handle it so well. The acting's great. The directing's great. And it's just really, it's been really fun lately. I think if you haven't read the novel though, the show itself might be a little, maybe I wouldn't say off-putting, but like they jump around like a lot. Like the first episode focuses on a couple characters and like it literally shows like you know the world coming to an end with the fucking like the flu that happens that kills like 99 percent of the population on earth but then like it cuts to like the small group of survivors already like living in a happy little commune and one of the main characters already being psychotic and wanting to kill everybody else like we get all that in the first episode like it just shows You're like we're moving very quickly <laughs> yeah so if you haven't read the book and know like where these characters are going it just kind of throws everything at you in like like really quickly but obviously it's going to build up over the weeks and i trust them building a story that is for people who also haven't read the book so it's great so far i think it's awesome i think if you have cbs all access to check it out um if not then i mean i don't know we'll see where it goes and if i feel like it's worth putting an effort in to like do free i mean if you can knock it out in seven days i say do it if not then just i would wait till maybe it's available somewhere else or something I'll wait until you're done, and I'll make my decision then. Yeah, it's good, though, so we'll see. But let's go ahead and get into this weekend horror and get that knocked out. Uh, so one story that popped up today that wasn't in our show notes, uh, but I wanted to bring up just really fast. So apparently, they started casting Jordan Peele's new movie. So I don't know if you saw this on Twitter today. Yeah. Yes, but apparently Kiki Palmer is set to star in his latest horror movie, which I'm really excited about. And Daniel Kaluuya, who uh, also, of course, was in Get Out, is also apparently in talks to come back for 
this new movie also. And that, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but like, Kiki has been confirmed. So I'm very excited, and I'm just happy to hear that his new horror movie is, like, fucking moving. Like, I'm very excited to hear that things are, like, starting to come together. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we get into Jordan Peele, we'll be here all night. Right. Legitimately one of my faves. Right. I'm very excited. Um, I don't think that I've ever seen anything with Kiki Palmer in that wasn't Disney-related. <laughs> um, but that doesn't, like, stop me from being excited. I know she's a great girl, so. Right. And see, for me... I love Kiki Palmer. I've always enjoyed Kiki Palmer. Um, Aquila and the Bee. Uh, quite honestly, that movie depressed me as a child. I don't know why. But, like anytime that movie was on TV, like as a child, I would, I, I would just like get so sad. I have no idea why, but that movie always made me sad. But she's great in that movie. Obviously, I loved her in True Jackson VP on Nickelodeon. That was one of my favorite shows. Um, and she was great in Scream Queens as well. Uh, the Ryan Murphy show that was on, I think Fox. Even though the second season was god awful she was great in the first season everybody was great in that first season so i enjoy kiki i think she's fantastic she makes a lot of funny things on uh the internet she has a whole bunch of memes she's crazy and i think she's such a notable name and i think it's gonna be fantastic apparently she's supposed to be the villain in this movie is like what the talk is right Ooh, now. love that for her yeah i'm interested to see how she plays that role because she's typically pretty kiki in everything she's very funny very <laughs> pretty witty. kiki she is, like, very funny, very witty, like, she's very quick-witted, and so it's gonna be different to see her play a more sinister role, and I kind of want to see how she's gonna tackle it, so I'm very, and obviously Daniel Kalula coming back is gonna be everything, I mean, he's getting so much buzz at this point, so I'm excited, is all I have to say. Big same. Fat mood. The Wrong Turn remake is set for release on video demand, Blu-ray and DVD on February 23rd. Which is next Tuesday, as of us recording this. The film will follow a group of friends as they're hiking and stray off the trail. This, of course, leads to certain doom for the cast. And the trailer is going to be linked in our show notes. Are you excited about this remake, Adrian? Um, I am, yeah. And I've actually, uh, I've seen people on horror Twitter, like, talking about it. You know, they're getting their hands on everything pretty quickly. Uh, but people have been talking about it. And it seems to be having a pretty positive reception like thus far and the trailer looks interesting like it looks like a wrong turn movie like it's i mean they're still in the woods it's still like the same premise yeah in terms of obviously like taking a wrong turn but it looks interesting it looks awesome uh it doesn't the trailer doesn't really kind of allude to like who the antagonists are like we don't know if they're going to be like you know crazy incest backwoods people this time around it doesn't really like explain too much it kind of just alludes to the fact that you know these people have been here for years and you know they've always been around so the trailer doesn't give you too much of an idea if it's going to be kind of the same like um killers i guess but it looks great and i'm very excited to watch it i mean we've had conversations about remakes a lot of people are really wishy-washy but i'm i'm eager to give it a chance at the very least me too, because it is, like, I don't know, like, that's the scariest thing in the world, is to think about, like, being out and about on a road trip or something, and taking a wrong turn, and getting lost, or getting stuck somewhere. Like, that's a big fear of mine. So I love these movies. Uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen too many of them. I've seen the first two, and I've seen the fourth one. I've never seen the other two that are involved in the series, because they just look not like my cup of tea. But, I mean, out of all of them, obviously, the first one's everything i love eliza dushkus is in that movie obsessed with her uh and the fourth one i actually really enjoy also i people don't seem to care about that one too much but i really enjoy that one 
I'm trying to think, is the Wrong Turn series where they put the dude between two trailer tractors and, like, pull him apart? Um, I don't know if that happens in any of the movies. I know that happens in The Hitcher. Which is... In The Hitcher. Maybe I'm thinking about The Hitcher. We can... Yeah. Disregard. In the original Hitcher, in the 80s, they do that with uh, a guy. And I think in the remakes of The Hitcher that came out a little bit later, they do it to his girlfriend. Like, they switch the roles in those two movies. But I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen two of these wrong turn movies, so I don't know if that death happens in one of those other two. I clearly remember somebody getting ripped apart by a semi, so... You know what my favorite death in that uh, series is? Um, is in the first movie when... I forget the character's name, but when she's in the tree, like when they're all in the tree, and oh. one of the characters, like she's afraid to move, and like, of course, one of those crazy people come like running up on her, and they fucking just chop her right here like right they fucking chop her mouth like from her jaw down her body just falls off the fucking tree and like from nose up like her fucking face is just sitting on the axe i that's iconic to me i love that scene spoilers i guess sorry <laughs> i feel like those movies have been out long enough for us not to no one of podcast fave re has never seen it oh shit yeah podcast fave re they have never seen it so because uh, I know they were asking on Twitter about it, maybe like a couple weeks ago, and I said, the first Wrong Turn is definitely worth it, because they had never seen any of the Wrong Turn movies. I was like, the first one, hands down, it's great. Like, it's a good little horror movie. There's some cool deaths in that movie. Uh, anything after that, though, just kind of gets messy. And the second, people really like that second movie, and I don't understand why. Personally, I don't get it. Who knows? We all have different tastes. Um, last but not least, very quickly, and speaking with M.E.E., John Carpenter, uh, John Carpenter stated, of course, that we might be actually looking at a VOD or streaming release for the new Halloween movie. Um, so nothing, like, really major, and I think this is something that most people probably saw coming, because I really don't think things are going to, well, I don't want to be negative and say things won't change too much by, like, October's time, but I think, I think movie going as a whole is going to be still very touch and go this year i think just like for like throughout the entire because i don't think the pandemic's going to just completely dissipate by this year i just don't think that's happening personally i don't um so i'm pretty sure by the time october comes around some people might still be a little bit you know uncomfortable going into a theater or whatever it may be so i mean i welcome it i don't think it's a bad idea at all um obviously like hbo max and whatnot like they have movies coming on vod through the end of the year so i don't think it's a bad idea um hopefully things are chill at that time because i want to watch it in theater like i just i want to desperately especially because i mean they came out that you know the creators of the movie like intentionally like messed with the audio and stuff like to make it presented in a movie theater like that's that's where they would prefer you to watch it that's where i want to watch it but if not then i'm girl i'm gonna pay 20 bucks and fucking pull it up on my tv in my room immediately and watch it regardless so if it happens it happens i suppose like you said, I'm going to watch it either way, but I would much prefer to watch it in a theater. With you, obviously. Oh, my God, yeah, so, obviously. Especially because this movie's supposed to be, like, the kill count is supposed to be, like, insane in this movie, apparently, so. Fuck me up. Literally st stab me, Michael, please, Daddy. Literally stab me. But I guess we might as well get into our Crimes of Passion. Hey everybody, so if you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really, really beneficial. We're open to ideas and feedback. It really goes a long way. So go ahead and look into giving us a rating. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and many more places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. 
I'm gonna take us into a little wild tale of catfishing. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say, I just want to start out like, have you ever catfished anyone or like been catfished? Not you asking me if I've catfished anybody <laughs> on the podcast. No, I haven't Listen, catfished anybody. I 100% have, so that's why I called you. <laughs> that's why I asked. I'm not gonna be caught looking like a fat ass Kaylee Price. <laughs> Me, though. Me. My aesthetic. Um, No, I've never catfished anybody. Um, And I I don't think I've been catfished either. I think most people that I've met up with in person and, uh, you know, slobbed on the knob have been uh, been what they look like on the internet. But for me, no, I haven't catfished anybody. Have I made myself look, you know, (laughs) thin and beautiful and gorgeous? Yeah. But nobody's ever come to me and been like, you know, you don't look like your pictures. I've never heard that. Because I know some people have that moment where, you know, somebody's like, you don't right. look like your pictures. But face tune aside, I think I look like myself in my pictures. Well, I haven't done it while I've been a full-fledged adult. Like, I did it in, like, junior high. Oh, okay. Just for clarification. Um, I also want to talk about, like, how is catfishing still a thing in 2021? Like, Neff's or Neve. Is it Neve or Nev? I think it's Neve. I've never seen an episode of Catfish. I just oh. know the memes. <laughs> I mean, he's still growing strong, like, literally a decade later, so... I think people are just so gullible. And if you look at the state of the world now, especially in this country, these people are quick just to go along with anything. So I could see it being... I think it's stupid that it is still a thing and that people allow it to happen. What's wrong with your camera? Every phone has a camera. Right! Some of those stories are so crazy when they're like, why did you not like video chat with these people? Or, I'm like, oh, well, they couldn't. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? I'm not going to talk to you if I don't know what you look like. Right. But even if they weren't catfishing, they could still be a serial killer. Not to make people nervous about dating, but, you know, dating itself is a risk. So. I straight up went to Pittsburgh once. Story! <laughs> hey, wait, and what? Tell me the story. The tea. No, we're not going to talk about that story. No <laughs> no publicity on my podcast. Okay, you know what? If we're being honest, um, I'm never, like, actively, like, catfish somebody. But remember me and um, one of my friends, who's now passed, but back when we <laughs> were just, like, really lonely, I think it was maybe, like, my senior year in high school, or maybe my junior year in high school, what we would do is we would get on, like, chat room services, like, that you would call on you just call the number <laughs> uh-huh. and like it would give you the option to either join a chat room with like a whole bunch of people and there's a whole bunch of people talking on the phone at one time or you can go into like one-on-one rooms and just like vibe and like it's like speed dating almost through like a cell phone they can talk to them mm-hmm. if you don't like it you can just hang up or move on to the next room um but we would go on there and i would be a woman named flower that was my name and i would go in and we would go in and we i you know, we're stupid. We're by ourselves and we were bored and we're just messing with people. But we would go in and we, I would always go into like the big rooms and just like give the most like high femme voice and just be so, you know, girly and breaking gender constructs, you know, back in high school. But I would get people interested in me. And when the guys were like, let's go to a private room, I'd like, sure. And then we would just like jump into a private room and we would continue the conversation, constantly muting and laughing to ourselves, obviously, because these men are just so creepy anyways. Like they're so creepy. But, you know, we'd mess with them and then eventually I would just hang up because we would start laughing way too much if they got like super into it. So I guess technically maybe I've catfished people, uh, <laughs> but not like I guess in the sense of like I've never actually like tried to make people believe that I'm somebody else beyond just like a quick like prank phone call. <laughs> love that for you. What's it like to love yourself? <laughs> 
Just kidding. Not even that. <laughs> Literally not even that. Just no. It's because I have anxiety and like I can't, I can't walk up to somebody having like spoken to them and not look. I can't. I can't do that because if I look something different or they even mention that I look different, immediately like I'm 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 on the defense. I'm like, excuse you. I don't <laughs> think so. Like I get so defensive. So right. I like to avoid that conflict by just being my own self. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very that. Have you been catfished? Um, like sort of, but like, so we'll just say Brad. <laughs> I showed up to see Brad at Chili's and like his pictures were very evidently like 10 years ago. Oh shit, I remember this. It's whatever, like. It was me at one point. Right, right. Like, and I'm, you know, well, people don't know me on the podcast, but you personally know me and I'm never one to judge, like, off of your fucking appearance. So just send me a selfie. I don't, I don't care how old you are. <laughs> Listen, I'm attracted to Daddy John. So, <laughs> so it works. Have you right. said nudes? Man. <laughs> <laughs> My mother listens. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, straight up. Okay. I don't, I don't, I can't. As with anything, like, I can't do that. Like, I can't have... It's probably my control freak on the inside. I can't have anybody have any power over me. I can't have that happen in my life. So I can't, because I have... There's no power to have over me. I'll post my titties on Twitter. (laughs) See, but not me. Uh, I don't know. I'm weird. I can't do it. I mean, I'm not pussy popping on Santa Claus, but I'll I'll send some some lewds. Okay. You know, I mean, it's different if I'm in a relationship a long you know a standing a, a long standing relationship but like back mm-hmm. in the day when i was you know a hoe out in the vegas streets i surely was not i could not do so i'll be a hoe in person i can't do it over the phone um but yeah somebody died i guess during catfishing <laughs> what happened <laughs> to bring it full circle <laughs> so this is a story about thomas montgomery And like I said, it brings catfishing to a whole new level. He meets a woman online and her username is the most creative because her name is Tall Hot Blonde. Oh, girl. Okay. Right. Or her real name is Jessie. And Sir Montgomery falls head over heels and they're e-dating. And of course, I'm assuming they're not sending lewds or anything, but he falls in love and she e leaves him. <laughs> she breaks up <laughs> for one of his coworkers, a very young coworker named Brian Barrett. Why are you giggling? Is e leave a real term that people use? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Especially like in days, like in today's cli- like climate. Imagine being broke up via email. Girl, no. Being broken up over text is like, that's low, but like over an email. And it starts with, I hope this email finds you well. <laughs> <laughs> to whom it may concern. <laughs> They're like, it's over. Uh, at work from now on, when I'm in meetings, I'm going to say, I'm e-leaving and just like leave this. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to the story. Back to it's the story. fine. She broke his she heart. She breaks up. With, yeah. she She's an e-heartbreaker. <laughs> okay sorry go ahead (laughs) and she leaves him for his friend brian barrett and also his co-worker and so this man like i said i'm gonna keep it short and straight 
uh, Montgomery straights up sniper shoots this guy with like a 30 caliber rifle as they're leaving work. And then whenever they find Barrett's body, they decide to warn Jesse. So they go over to Jesse's house, knock on the door. Um, they show up at Tall Hot Blonde's house. <laughs> and they make contact with Mary Sheeler, who is a middle-aged woman with a daughter named Jesse. <gasps> but Miss Jesse has never heard of Montgomery or Barrett. Girl. It turns out that Miss Mary Sheeler, the mother, has been using her daughter's pictures to catfish both of these men. Ew! <laughs> so yeah, I'm just saying, like, never really missed out on that episode, because I feel like that would have <laughs> done really well on MTV. <laughs> Imagine using, like, your own daughter's pictures? You don't know what kind of crazy people you're meeting online sometimes, uh, also. Right. You know, and she's putting her daughter's her livelihood at stake with these random people because one of them right. is willing to kill people so if, like if she <laughs> what if he had run into her daughter in public right or her daughter opened the door and he was just like so pissed off and he just shot her because that's right. who he saw you know that's who he right. left him or his friend so what happened to her did she go to jail or how does catfishing yeah. work what happens when you catfish people well the do the mother like ended up with some sort of charges but i don't think it was like any considerable amount of time and then, of course, the daughter, like, didn't get anything because her mom's crazy. And then Montgomery went to jail for killing Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> mm, he died. That's crazy. Imagine if... Wait, so he shot him at their place of work? Yeah. He really said, I'm going to lose my relationship and my job in one day. <laughs> <laughs> he said, fuck it. We're risking it all for Tall Hot Blonde. He did. For Tall Hot Blonde. Girl! Should we hop into mine? Teach me something. Okay, so mine's kind of long, um, but I feel like I talk so fast, it'll probably go by fast, so. So mine involves a deadly love triangle. So this happens in 2007 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm kind of going to be like all over the place, just so you're aware. So you're going to know what happens like before we get to the end of the story, kind of, but it'll, it'll come together, I hope. But we're going to be following the story of Aaron and Eric McLean. And, of course, Sean Powell. So, Erin McLean was looking to pursue her PhD. Um, so, this, of course, led her to working as, like, a counselor inside of the local high school. She was doing, like, an internship. So, that's where it took her, pretty much. During her time at this school, she began to have an affair with a then 17-year-old Sean Powell. So, you know, she's disgusting. Uh, but the dude did become involved, and Erin began to tutor him, even. And... They were sticking together. They apparently had like a both had like a an interest in like drama and theater and poetry or whatever. So that's when they kind of started talking and they kind of just were always around each other. And also at one point in researching this one news article, um, and I just wanted to mention it because I don't know if it's like fact or not, but I've only, I was only able to find it in one. But apparently he had even been like staying in their spare room inside of their house um, at one point. But again, I've only saw that in one article. Um, but anyways, Aaron at this time was married to Eric McLean, who was 31 at the time of the actual 
incident that we're going to get to. Uh, so the two had met when Aaron was 16 and Eric was 18. The relationship seemed to move pretty fast to a lot of people. As soon as Aaron was out of high school, she and Eric had moved in together and she was pregnant by the age of 18. Eric was 21 at the time that she was pregnant. So after being married for about 10 years or so, both were pretty much starting to kind of pursue their dreams again. Erin, uh, of course, was aiming to get her master's in education. Eric was studying to be a music and band teacher. During this time, Eric was also working several different jobs. He was trying to make ends, uh, trying to make ends meet. He was delivering pizzas. He was driving taxis on top of like his actual day-to-day job. So he was doing a lot to try to help financially. Um, of course, Erin at this time was also working pretty hard, especially at her internship. Um, obviously, we know why. But she was working really hard at the school. She was there constantly putting a lot of effort into it. And a lot of people were noticing that. Uh, but with one student, obviously, things things were getting a little too personal. They were uh, working a little too hard, it would <laughs> appear to some people. Uh, as things kind of continue on, uh, at one point... Eric's mom even had come forward with a quote and she recalls him, Eric, coming up to her at one point and saying, hey, mom, I know it might seem like a weird request, but there's a student that works with Aaron and he got kicked out of his house. And I was wondering if he would be able to come and stay with you guys for a bit. So clearly at this time, they had been Aaron and uh, Sean had been hanging out a lot together uh, enough to the point where they were trying to find him a place to stay after he had been kicked out of his parents house so it's very weird uh eric's brother at the time even had made a comment that like that seemed very unprofessional and it would look very bad if like a student of hers was staying with her father or her husband's family so things were starting to kind of look a little awkward at that point Um, But this is kind of where things started to change. On Saturday, March 10th, just before 9 p.m., a call had been placed to 911. It was made by Erin herself, and she had stated that her husband had shot and killed 18-year-old Sean Powell. He had turned, of course, 18 over the course of their affair. Now, Sean himself, the 18-year-old in question, the victim, I guess, uh, Sean, he had been born to a single mother. She had given him up for adoption when he was only six years of age. Uh, So he was kind of known for being somewhat troubled. He was very confrontational with people. He was always known for smoking, drinking, kind of just getting into trouble. Uh, People, of course, in the school had noticed that him and Aaron had bonded really quickly when she started working there. And as soon as he had turned 18, he had actually been expelled from the school. He got kicked from school. He apparently at this time had been kicked out of his family's house, his, you know, foster, his adopted family's home. And he even went to like an alcohol rehab program for several weeks. So he was kind of going through a lot at this time. Um, but it was also during this time when he was kind of going through all this that him and Aaron, I guess, really kind of got even more close. And they kind of got really, really really intertwined with one another uh, he was even at her house like pretty frequently it was kind of awkward um sean's family at the time even thought or when he started like hanging out with her they thought he was dating some 20 year old college girl like they thought she was in college they thought she was 20 years old or whatnot but it was a hot mess uh sean's birth mother even came back into the picture at this point in his life like trying to rekindle with him and two weeks prior to his death um uh, she had noticed that he had been speaking to someone more frequently and of course trying to you know be a mom get some information on it like he was refusing to give her any kind of details and eventually he like let it slip and said well you know my girlfriend works at my school and they kind of just walked away and like left it at that and so she was a little bit confused and taken aback by it but she would get confirmation on that two weeks later when Aaron would call her and say hey he's fucking dead so this shit was just crazy it was a hot mess so kind of going back to Eric though uh he kind of started to see some issues start up with Aaron two years prior to the shooting. Even, uh, she was kind of just showing a lot of, I guess a little bit more distance in their relationship. Um, 
he just wasn't really kind of vibing with her. She was definitely expressing a lot to him that, you know, getting pregnant at 18 and, you know, taking care of the kids. Like she just, she felt like she had lost a lot of her life. Um, and as she started kind of doing her teaching, he started to notice even things were changing a lot quicker. Um, is he said that, you know, she looked like she was regressing back to her teenage years. She wasn't communicating with him at all. She wasn't telling him anything. So, and even at this point too, kind of leading up to the shooting, there'd be times where Eric would even wake up and Aaron would be like on top of, uh, on top of him, like beating him, hitting him. She's just getting, getting really aggressive, just kind of showing less and less interest in him. She even at one point told him directly, Hey, I'm kind of thinking of having an affair. And he was kind of taken aback by it and like didn't know what to do. He was like, uh, okay. And so she just was very, very rapidly changing. And he was kind of taken aback by it. Um, of course, things started to deepen. Sean entered the picture. And according to Eric, near the end of January of the same year um, of 2007, uh, while drunk, Aaron had even let it slip out that she was having an affair with somebody and so, of course, after that, he was always consistently asking her and asking her, and she would deny it, especially sober. She, she would deny it. But Eric would have his suspicions confirmed when his 11-year-old son came up to him one day and said, hey, just so you know, I saw mom making out with Sean, and they'd like to hold hands all the time when you're not around. So he was a little fucking shook up at that. He kind of already knew, obviously, at that point that something was happening. His 11-year-old really fucking confirmed it for him. And apparently Eric's friends have even come forward and said that he's admitted to them that at one point he even walked in on Sean and Aaron having sex in the bed. And he just turned around, closed the door, and just tried to deny it. And for those months, like from January leading up to March, he was just in denial. Like He already knew what was happening at this fucking point. But like obviously the pressure was fucking building. And it got to the point where the night before, March 9th, fucking Aaron and Sean had gone to a fucking play and they came back to the house and Sean stayed over on the couch. And so the next day is when shit hit the fan. Apparently Sean had gone to his fucking car to smoke a cigarette and Eric went and he grabbed his rifle and he walked up to the car and Eric said that he was just trying to scare Sean. Like he wasn't trying to do anything, but apparently he said that Sean tried to like grab for the rifle and that's when he shot him. Shot him point blank in the face. Sean was dead almost immediately. Um, apparently in his hand, he had like a shot in his hand. So people either, of course, think he maybe he was wrestling for the gun or just when the trigger was pulled, like he might have put his hands up. But he did. He shot and killed Sean. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it fucking blew up overnight. People were talking about it. Fucking uh, Eric did a fucking interview on the Today Show not too long after that. Shit was pretty crazy at that point. And it just got bad. But after some time, Eric was found not guilty on all murder charges, on um, on all voluntary manslaughter charges. He was, though, found guilty for reckless homicide and was sentenced, uh, sentenced to 90 days in jail, but he only was there for about 47 days. Uh, apparently, he's doing well. Last that anybody heard from him was back around 2017. His elder, or his youngest son at the time was still in high school. He said he's still traumatized, obviously, from the shooting, but he got off on all charges, at least, and is kind of living his life now. Uh, Aaron herself... After the shooting, tried to kill herself. She tried to attempt suicide, and she was just being really reckless, I guess, at that time also. She got arrested, and she was in jail for 90 days for taking her kids out of state without anybody's permission. Uh, and apparently, she still lives in Texas as a fucking freelance writer, so she's also still out there thriving, doing her thing. But that's pretty much it. Just a crazy, deadly love triangle out in Tennessee. Uh, a teacher and a student having an affair and just fucking hanging out at her house always, constantly. He was just always at the house. So... I'm surprised that Eric didn't fucking do anything sooner. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I wonder what the average, um, length of, like, an affair is. I'm sure we could Google it, but... I don't know. Um, I let it go on for a long time, so I feel like he's kind of... 
Yeah, because I mean, even like in interviews and stuff, like he was saying that like he obviously knew for a little bit, and he was just trying to like you know obviously how it is with like family life, like just trying to keep it together and just kind of push through and let her have her crazy moment in the sun. But also, I mean, having an affair with a fucking student girl. Oh yeah, that's that's messy. Every movie on Lifetime ever. Literally. I don't really know if my last one counts as, like, a a crime of passion, but I did want to talk about it because it's something that I really enjoyed growing up, watching when I was growing up, and, I mean, he did kill his family, so. I mean, love's still a bitch, (laughs) so. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, give it to me. Mr. Chris Benoit was a beloved and well-known wrestler. He worked from the 80s into the mid-2000s. He wrestled for various professional organizations and was champion many times over. Loved seeing him with that belt. And on June 22nd of 2007, he actually murdered his wife, Nancy, and their seven-year-old son and hung himself uh, two days later. For some reason, like, this one hit me really hard when I was a kid. Um, well, like I said, because I looked up to him and then it was really cool. But also, it was one of my first encounters with, um, like, mental health issues and, like, having that brought into my face. Because it's, um, been proven that Benoit might have had severe undiagnosed mental health issues due to years of untreated concussions. Like, studies were done after his death. And it was determined that he had the brain of, like, an 85-year-old man with dementia. And, like, the murders were methodical, not rage-induced, which is why I said I don't really feel like it fits the crime of passion, but I just wanted to slide him in. Um, he, like, banged his wife by his her feet and her wrist, and she was wrapped in a blanket. And his poor son was probably killed in a chokehold. So, like, <laughs> typical wrestler moves. But he did place Bibles by their bodies. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, used a cord on a white machine to kill himself two days later. So This story is also something that obviously hits home for me. I mean, I'm sure anybody who knows me really... I mean, everybody knows that I'm into wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. It was something that my family was, like, super into growing up. So I was just, like, force-fed that shit from the beginning, pretty much. But obviously, being a little gay boy... A lot of wrestling is, like, theatrics and, like, over-the-top stuff. So I was just, I was always super into it. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember when this happened. This was around the time where I kind of stopped watching wrestling. I had stopped watching wrestling the year before because two of my favorite women wrestlers had retired and left. And so I was done. Um, But this happened the year, like, right after. So obviously I still was told about it, clearly. But when it happened, like, it was crazy. I remember um, even the next night, because it happened, was it a Sunday that it happened? Um... I'm not sure. It just says the 22nd. Hmm. Because I remember right after it had happened on Monday Night Raw, which was like their weekly programming, it's still around. Um, but I remember like the next the next Monday that happened, like they did a whole tribute show for him. Like They literally like obviously put him up on a pedestal and we're talking, because at that point nobody knew what happened. They just were found all dead. So I remember that show. I remember I watched it live and like it was just about Chris Benoit and like putting him on a pedestal and talking about his legacy but yeah, so when the news broke, obviously, like, what really happened, like, I just remember the scandal surrounding all of it, uh, especially, like, in the world of wrestling and just the WWE all together and just, like, what they were doing to try to help 
stop things like this happening. And like you said, he was sitting on several concussions, and his brain was like so bad. So especially after the, like after this incident, like things in the WWE kind of slowly started to change. Uh, I know the next year in two thousand eight, they went from TV fourteen programming to TVPG. Like they were really trying to clean up their act. Um, back in like the early two thousand, not me getting into wrestling, but like back into like two thousands and stuff, like they would like legit be hitting other wrestlers in the head with like steel chairs. Like they were like legit steel chairs, like fucking just wailing on people. And it was bad. Even Chris Benoit, like one of his signature moves at the time was to jump off the top rope and like land head first into his opponent's chest. Like he was constantly beating his head. And so after that incident, obviously there was a whole bunch of drama. They changed it. Like it's now a rule where nobody's hitting the head with any type of, <laughs> any type of object at this point. Um, and they did, they went to like cleaner programming. Like they completely changed their image around after all this because it's crazy. It's so crazy. Chris Benoit was like wiped from like everything. His name is like wiped from like everything, like their official record books. Well, I think actually his name is still in the record books, like for his title wins and everything. But like, he's like, like on their streaming service, like he's like, you can't search for him. All of his matches are there and he's there, but like they just completely, like he's just been like wiped from their history pretty much. So it's crazy. It's a really crazy story. I thought you were going to talk about the Jimmy Snuka story when you talk about oh. wrestler. That shit's also crazy. That's also a crime of passion because he killed like his uh, girlfriend at the time. Well, I guess they mm -hmm. don't know if he killed her is the thing, but he clearly killed that poor woman. Um, there's a documentary series that's called Beyond the Ring. I don't know what it is, but they like look at wrestling stories. And one of the episodes, the only one I've watched was on the Jimmy Snuka controversy i want you i'm gonna send you the link i think it's on tubi but because if you watch that it's crazy to also hear about that story too because that was back in the 80s and that's when fucking cocaine was flying heavy so he was like coked out of his mind constantly but obviously vince mc i guess i better not say his name but <laughs> i don't want to get found but i mean clearly you know the wwe really helped cover those tracks up at that time yeah so before we wrap up on um, our lovely Crimes of Passion episode, I just want to bring up two little things. Um, I want to ask, do you think O.J. Simpson's murder case is considered a crime of passion? Like, do you think he killed her? Um, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. I think so, yes. Um, and I do. I consider that a crime of passion, I would say. I also feel the same way. I was just wondering if we would have opposing opinions. And I also think it's bullshit the way that that whole case was handled. So, Girl. Have you seen The People vs. OJ? Yes. Oh, my God. I haven't God. seen it. Is it good? I enjoyed it. Okay. I heard it's fantastic. I just haven't. Yeah. I haven't watched it because it kind of bothers me. But And I also wanted to talk about our feminist icon, Miss Lorena Bobbitt. I feel like we couldn't talk about Crimes <laughs> of Passion without talking about her. So... <laughs> <laughs> mm, very that um you know what is also a crazy thing i want to bring up to you it I, I, we're kind of out of crimes of passion at this point but it's so crazy that last i think it was last week when we brought up the elisa lamb case and literally this past week the fucking netflix drops a documentary on the cecil hotel i know we really do manifest this thing these things me and adrian talk about like oh my god i saw so many gifts of valentine or something like that and then the next week we release our valentine episode mm -hmm. it's just like for some reason the universe like brings up our topics for us and it's it's working yeah. really well for us so thanks mm -hmm. i mean we're, i'm also a pretty methodical i would say we're pretty methodical in our planning <laughs> oh yeah for sure like we know people are talking about valentine because it was valentine's day but right we're our signs just make us think it's about ourselves <laughs> 
We just think. But it's true. Like, we mentioned the fucking Cecil Hotel, and then that week they drop a whole fucking true crime Netflix special about it. And I was very shocked. Right. And that's all Google is about. Because we were talking about it at work today, and I literally typed, like, C-E, and it's literally pages of the Cecil Hotel. Have you started it, the documentary? No, not yet. I'm about to tonight. <laughs> okay. I guess we could have talked about it in the What's Been Spooking You. I started it. Um, I only got, like, through the first 10 minutes, and then I stopped. But I, I kind of just wanted to get a vibe of, like, what they were bringing to the table with this documentary. Right. It looks great so far. It really does. So I do want to go back and watch it, because most people seem to have enjoyed it. There's been some people that I've seen tweet about it that kind of don't like, I guess, the direction it goes in, you know, like, the last couple episodes. Um, but you know me. Selfish. I'm going to figure out how I feel about it. So... It looks pretty good so far. I just, I I want to know all about it, man. It, if it feeds me the same information that I've already heard, um, I'll be a little bit disappointed, but there's really only so many files you can crack open. So right. what do we expect? I hope, I don't know, like, I don't know where it's going, but like with the direction, or at least by the show title, it's like Netflix crime or something like that. Like I... In terms of that story, all I've ever heard is, like, the supernatural explanations for oh, things. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, all I've ever heard is, you know, the elevator game, like we mentioned, or, you know, something's going on, or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I, that's just what I've always heard. And that's as far, like, when you research it, like, it just immediately goes into, like, crazy, you know, like, internet conversation about it. And, like, people just thinking they, they know everything. So I hope that the documentary itself focuses on, like, fu- like fully just evidence of, like, the case. Like, I really want to know what they think happened. Because I, in all my research, haven't been able to kind of figure out, like, what they think possibly happened. At least, you know, like, actual, you know, crime investigators or investigators think happened. Because I don't... And I love, obviously, spooky shit. I love the supernatural side of everything. But that's all I know. So if I watch it, I don't want it to be that. I hope they take, not that it's not serious to look at it in that light, but I hope they kind of look at it in like a serious manner. The crime aspect of things. Yeah. I don't want to hear elevator game in this. (laughs) I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Don't tell me that. I know about that. I know, you know, those theories. I get it. I want to see it from like an actual like hardcore investigation standpoint. Um, Right. And obviously they look into other things because that hotel itself has been fucking. It's a mess. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the entire fifth season of, yeah, American Horror Story is about that hotel. Like, the serial killers who stayed there. Um, obviously, the Night Stalker had stayed there a couple times. So, I, girl, just give me the evidence. Give me the hard facts. Right. We're here for facts and cash. Well, next week, <laughs> we're going to wrap up our Love Can Be Murder Month with My Bloody Valentine 3D, uh, the 2009 film. I'm so excited um, I haven't seen this film since I saw it in theaters. What? Yeah. We got to talk about it because I watched this movie in theaters and it was kind of a traumatized. Ugh, I can't overuse that word. But I watched this movie in theaters and like it's a very negative memory <laughs> in my mind. So I definitely want to talk mm. about it. But we'll get into it next week. <laughs> we will. And I'm excited to watch it. I know we're a little bit late because obviously everybody was watching this during like the Valentine weekend. But whatever we're gonna watch it and i'm gonna enjoy it and i can't wait to talk about it so tune in next week for that adrian where can the people find us so you can find us a lot of places uh, of course you know follow us on instagram twitter uh tiktok now we have a tiktok we'll figure out what's going on there soon uh but follow us on tiktok um obviously our podcast is available in 
most, I would say, stream or podcast platforms. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, a whole bunch of places. Obviously, our bios always have the link in there. So definitely give us some love. And rate. Uh, it would be awesome if anybody who listens on Apple would rate us on Apple. That really helps more than you understand. So if you can give us some ratings, that'd be awesome. I know we have our little ad, our ad break, quote unquote, in the middle. But definitely, yeah, give us some love. That would be, we really appreciate it. Right. Subscribe. Share with your friends. Share with your mom. Talk about us at the cooler at work, you know. Right. Right. We're that. We're great work conversation. Very safe for work. Yeah, Just- we're... Blast us over the McDonald's speakers. It'll be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah. Gladys and Phil for their morning coffee will definitely enjoy a side of pussy poppin' for Santa Claus. <laughs> In the workplace, there's always that one co-worker that is like an older woman, and she gets down. She knows what's up. She will go Phyllis out to the club. is down to clown. She will literally take shots at the holiday party and she'll have a blast. Right. She has um, she has snops in her garter. She's down to clown, <laughs> man. At my last job, the fucking holiday parties would get lit. And a lot of those older employees were very much on the dance floor shaking their ass. So we might be safe for work, I guess, depending on where you work. <laughs> Whenever we have a company and people working for us and an editor, just know our company parties are going to be lit. Oh, yeah. The Slasher Productions. Slasher Productions. Oh, my God. Twisted Pictures and Slasher Productions together. Manifesting. Oh, my God. My goal now is to have... I want us to produce Saw 12. The 12th Saw Mm, movie. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think how I can bring Daddy Tobin back, but... it's going to be something supernatural. Yeah, we'll just, he'll get zapped. His grave will get zapped by lightning and he'll come back. Can I like summon him? Yes! I oh like, I can lay Billy in the middle of a pentagram and then put like a knife, a key, a like dirty needle, and, right. and a pig I don't know, mask. something else. Or a pig's head. Oh, and a pig mask and his little robe. Right, 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 right. And the tricycle is in the vicinity. We've yeah, got we this. got it. Uh, tune in for Saw 12. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trailer coming in 2032. With that being said, thank you for sticking with us. And we love you so much, guys. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye. Bye.